Hello and welcome to the intro of Untangling the Truth, the brand new podcast that rambles about meaningful aspects of life such as productivity, self-development and wellness. The main focus is to uncover the uncharted feelings we cope along with in our life's journeys. My name is Gonzalo and in each episode I'll talk about tips, news and my personal thoughts towards what's truly important to find happiness and fulfillment at work and in life. I hope you join me in this new path. Don't rush life, and bye-bye. Today, I'll talk about the link between thinking and obsessive walking, and therefore, what's the real link between physical activity like strength and a healthy brain. So, let's go into it. Charles Darwin was an introvert. Granted, he spent almost five years traveling the world on the Beagle, recording observations that produced some of the most important scientific insights ever made. But he was in his 20 then embarking on a privileged 19th century naturalist version of backpacking around Europe during a gap year. And uh, after returning home in 1836, he never again stood foot outside the British households. Darwin's best thinking, however, was not done in his study. It was done outside, on a lower case, D-shaped path on the edge of his property. Darwin called in the sandwalk. Today it is known as Darwin's thinking path. Janet Brown, author of a two-volume biography of Darwin, wrote, as a business-like man, he would pile up a month of flints on the turn of the path and knock one away every time he passed to ensure he made a predetermined number of circuits, without having to interrupt his train of thought. Five turns around the path amounted to half a mile or so. The sound walk was where he pondered. In this southern routine, a sense of place became preeminent in Darwin's science. Sorry, It shaped his identity as a thinker. But why? Why does walking help us to think better, to get new ideas? You're undoubtedly familiar with, it, with the situation. You're struggling with a problem, a tough work assignment, for example, and uh, you cannot figure it out what are you going to do? So you decide to take a walk and somewhere along the trick, the answer comes to you. French philosopher Jean-Jacques Rousseau once said, there is something about walking which stimulates and elevates my thoughts. When I stay in one place, I can hardly think at all. My body has to be on move to set my mind going. So actually it turns out any walk outdoors has the potential to unlock our brains. Many geniuses spoke about the potential of walking our lives and thoughts. Among them were David Thoreau with his walking, Nietzsche with his long walks, once growth. All truly great thoughts are convinced by walking. Or Charles Dickens, who preferred to take long walks through London at night. The road was so lonely in the night that I fell asleep to the monotonous sound of my own feet, doing the regular four miles an hour, Dickens wrote. Perhaps 
It is a coincidence that so many great thinkers were obsessive walkers. There could be just as many brilliant thinkers who never walk. Did William Shakespeare, Jane Austen, or Toni Morrison walk every day? Marilyn Opetso, a Stanford University psychologist, used to walk around campus with her PhD advisor to discuss lab results and brainstorm new projects. Opetso designed an elegant experiment. A group of Stanford students were asked to list as many creative uses for common objects as they could. A frisbee, for instance, can be used as a dog toy, but it could also be used as a hat, a plate, a bird bath, or a small shovel. The more novel uses a student listed, the higher creativity score. Half the students sat for an hour before they were given their test. The others walked on a treadmill. The results were staggering. Creativity scores improved by 60% after a walk. Walking changes our brains and it, it, it impacts not only in our creativity but also in our memory. In 2004, Jennifer Guth of Boston University School of Public Health studied the relationship between walking and cognitive decline and declared that his, sorry, her team asked them to name as many animals as they could in one minute, all women, aged between 70 and 1881, sorry. Those who walked regularly recalled penguins, pandas, and pangolins than the women who were less mobile. Even walking as a little 19 minutes, 19 minutes per week, we have found reduced the rate at which cognition declined over time. Therefore, because cognitive decline is what occurs in the earliest stage of dementia, walking made us word of that neurodegenerative condition. But correlation does not equal causation. Otherwise, one could interpret graveyard as a place where giants and stones fall from the sky and kill unsuspecting, mostly elderly, people. Perhaps the arrow of casualty was pointing in the ground direction. Maybe mentally drive active people were simply more likely to go for a walk. Researchers have the needed to dive deeper. So, a recent assessment of British school children found that 10 years old are significantly weaker than they used to be, showing a 20% decrease in muscle strength and a 30% decrease in muscle endurance since 1998. Worse, their weakness is accelerating with every year that passes, and the trend has been speeding up since 2008. Unsurprisingly, the main culprit is too much sitting and not early enough weight bearing exercise. There are similar trends across Europe and the US. This is a worry because strength is good for all kinds of reasons. For a start, it's been linked to a longer, healthier life. Studies that follow people for over decades found that muscle weakness is linked to a greater chance of dying from any cause, regardless of whether you are carrying too much fat and independent of the amount of cardio that you may do. There is also a link between bodily strength and a healthy brain. 
A 10-year study of twins showed that greater strength in middle age is linked not only to more great matter, but also to a better functioning memory and a quicker brain a decade later. While grip strength, an overall indicator of muscle power, is associated with a healthier hippocampus. More important, perhaps, is how physical strength makes you feel. Since Barrett Hollowhouse's initial studies, strength training has been shown pretty conclusively to make life feel significantly more manageable, boosting self-esteem and helping people feel capable of meeting physical and emotional challenges. A brief dip back into the philosophy of consciousness suggests a possible explanation. According to the neuroscientist and philosopher Antonio Damasio, our sense of ourselves, that feeling that there is one me living this life in this body in this moment, is built firmly on our body's implicit assessment of what I can handle. If we let our bodies become weak, the message from coming from our musicological depiction of the self will read, Stiff, feeble, could definitely do better. And if, as psychologist Luz Barrett put it, this result fits directly into reception of what that body can achieve in the world, then it's hardly surprising that sedentary lifestyles have been linked to anxiety and low self-esteem. The good news is that we can upgrade our vehicle at any time. Adding capacity to the muscles, the bones, and other weight-bearing tissues of the body is not only expressed internally as a tangible feeling of being capable in a walk's life, it also shows on the outside, giving off clear messages of confidence in posture and behavior, as if to prove that the mind-body loop never ends. This change in posture then feeds back into our mental state. Mika Allen, a neuroscientist at Arthur's University in Denmark, who studies interception, says that in his own experience, increasing his strength through climbing had unexpected side effects that spit over into life and work. Climbing is something where you start off and you literally don't know if you're going to have the strength to make it to the top of the route and back down, he says. But as he progressed, he started noticing a creeping sense that he was more capable in other walks of life too. Before, if I had a meeting with someone, I could be more easily intimidated or more nervous, he says. But something about that implicit sense of confidence, of knowing what my body was doing, probably agnostically to me. It definitely did have an effect. There is some evidence also to suggest that his son is correct. Research confirms that people who do more physical activity tend to score higher on a scale of global self-efficacy, which measures their sense of how much control they have over their lives. And according to other studies comparing different forms of exercise, strength training has faster and more powerful effects on self-esteem than improvements in cardiovascular fitness and other kind of exercise that focus on balance or flexibility. Feeling capable and in control is, of course, the polar opposite of feeling anxious. It's a common misconception that anxiety is about living in a state of an object terror. Often, 
It is more of a rambling undercurrent of uncertainty about the future and whether you can cope with whatever it holds. Studies using weight-bearing exercise as treatment for anxiety have found that getting stronger seems to make at least some of the angst go away, boosting self-worth with reducing symptoms of anxiety and improving sleep. Similarly, in depression, the overriding emotion is necessarily sadness, but more a purposes, visceral feeling of, I just, I can't. Studies consistently show that weight training seems literally to lighten the load. Perhaps strength training helps to change the internal feedback from nope to let's give it a shot, providing a sense of confidence that the body can deal with life's changes, allowing the thinking mind to take a break. This raises the important question of whether there is a link between rising level of anxiety and depression in our society, and an increasing proportion of people who are physically weak. Scientifically, no one has to look at this question in detail, so it's difficult to be sure. However, given the evidence that sedentary lifestyles led to anxiety and that strength training improves both self-esteem and symptoms of mental illness, it seems both likely and ripe for investigation. It's entirely possible that we, in Western society, have spent the past few decades turning ourselves into cosseted cage animals who no longer have implicit faith that our bodies are to life changes. In short, poor mental health may be part of the price we pay for a cushy life on sofas and supermarkets. The easy life may also be making large numbers of people feeling down in ways that are less dramatic than depression, but which can still color life in shades of grey. According to Damasio, the unconscious messages coming from the body provide not only the basis of the self, but also a kind of undercurrent to our consciousness that sets the mood for everything else that happens. These background feelings, as he calls them, act as a bit the soundtrack of a film. They have the power to make us feel happy, sad, hopeful, or an edge, for reasons that we can't quite put our finger on. It stands to reason, then, that if we can change the tune of our background feelings, we can also change the way we feel. Perhaps, if we make more our body physically stronger, we can change that background music, from the sinister discord of a psychological thriller to the rousing harmonies of a superhero theme. Anyway, this has been all for today. I hope you understand the meaning of walking and physical training in life. I think it's very, it's quite important to us to understand, to realize that if we move, we grow, and if we grow, we are more capable of to face challenges in life, and it's what's all about. This article that I've read, it's pretty interesting, and I'm gonna leave the link in the I'm gonna leave the link in the description below. Anyway, I hope you had a great time. This has been all. Uh, see you next time. Bye bye. This is the end of the episode. I hope you like it as I did. 
And hey, don't forget to share with the people around you. The podcast is available on Spotify, Anchor, and many other platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Good Pods. So if you have any friend on Apple or Windows, it doesn't matter, please tell them to give it a look. I mean, why not?